Chapter 8 of A Narrative of the Life of Reverend Noah Davis, a Colored Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Brian Ness. A Narrative of the Life of Reverend Noah Davis, a Colored Man, by Himself. Chapter 8 conclusion, and object of this book. I now left the North for home, and arrived there safely. My friends greeted me cordially on my success in collecting money. I still lacked, however, one hundred and forty-two dollars of the needed eleven hundred. I had used every effort in my power to prevent the necessity of having to call on my generous friend in Providence. But in spite of all my endeavors, I had to make known to him this deficiency, which he immediately and generously supplied, by remitting me a check for the full amount. I was now prepared to go after my daughter, which I did, December 1, 1858, thus releasing her within one year from the time she was sold. She is now with me and doing well. I received a promise from the young master of my two sons, at the time he purchased them, that if I should succeed in paying for my daughter during that year, he would let me know what I might have my two boys for. At the time, my boys were about returning to Richmond, where they had been hired out for several years. I charged them to let me hear a good report of their conduct, and, if I could do anything for them, after I had got through with the purchase of their sister, I would do it. This pledge I made to the boys, in the presence of their master's agent. Having, through the aid of kind providence, been enabled to pay for my daughter, I have felt it my duty to turn my attention toward redeeming my word to my last children now in bondage. But this, of course, has called up anxious thought and prayerful meditation. I have also considered the peculiar condition of my church, the large outlay of money in the erection of the building, and the heavy debt hanging upon it, which is increased every year by the interest. I have also considered how long I have been supported in this field of labor by the Missionary Board of the Southern Baptist Convention and the Maryland Baptist Union Association. The question then occurred to me, could I not, by making a book, do something to relieve myself and my children, and ultimately, by the same means, help my church, under its heavy debt, and also relieved the missionary board from helping me. This idea struck me with so much force that I have yielded to it, that is, to write a short narrative of my own life, setting forth the trials and difficulties the Lord has brought me through to this day, and offer it for sale to my friends generally, as well as to the public at large. And I hope it may not only aid me, but may serve to encourage others who meet with similar difficulties to put their trust in God. End of Narrative Sermon By Rev. Noah Davis Text But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. 1 Timothy 5.8 In this chapter we have several Christian duties set forth by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a young preacher of the Gospel, who was to teach other Christians to observe them as evidences of the genuineness of their faith in Christ. That faith which does not produce obedience to the commands of Jesus must be regarded as defective. 
religion requires us to love god and all men and we must show our faith by a life consistent with our profession if human nature fallen as it is prompts men of the world to labor zealously to supply their own temporal necessities and the wants of those whom providence has made to depend upon them how much more will it be expected of those who profess to have drank of that pure fountain of love the spirit of our blessed lord and saviour jesus christ god has indeed doomed man to eat his bread in the sweat of his face but as if to reward him he has connected with it a pleasure in the labor and especially in our efforts to do good to others in speaking from these words let us first consider what is here meant by providing for his own secondly and especially for those of his own house thirdly what it is to deny the faith and lastly draw a comparison between the one who hath denied the faith and the infidel one in the first place we are to consider the duty enjoined in the text to provide for our own which we understand to mean our own temporal wants such as food and raiment and every temporal benefit every man is bound by the laws of nature to provide for himself the necessaries of life honestly in the sight of god and men as far as in him lieth this both reason and common sense dictate this religion inspires he that will not work shall not eat is the teaching of the word of god provide things honest in the sight of all men is the instruction of the great apostle to the gentiles at the same time giving them an example by working with his own hands to supply his necessities and the wants of those who were with him i have heard it said that a lazy person cannot be a christian and the same idea seems to be supported in my text but if any provide not for his own religion benefits those who possess it by regulating their appetite for temporal things as well as giving them a relish for spiritual ones while we are in love with sin we labor hard to enjoy its pleasures how industriously do wicked men labor for what they can eat drink and wear and shall a christian be less active to secure for himself the necessaries of life he would prove himself indeed to be worse than the infidel but we have other wants to be supplied besides those of the body god has given to all men an intellectual nature a mind which distinguishes them from the brutes these minds are capable of improvement and every man is under obligation to make use of the means and opportunities which god has given him for cultivating his mind by educating himself that he may be useful to himself and those around him but man is a social being as well as an intellectual one god hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth acts seventeen twenty six much of our happiness and usefulness in this world arises from this quality which man possesses over the animal creation and just in proportion as we shall cultivate and refine our social and intellectual natures just in that proportion shall we rise above the level of the savage and the heathen but man has a soul which must be fitted for the enjoyment of god here and hereafter now to provide for the wants of the soul is our highest duty on earth sin has unclothed us of that innocence in which our creator first made us and the responsibility now rests upon every soul to provide a clothing which will stand the inspection of god himself 
This clothing Christ has prepared through his sufferings and death, and it is given to all them that believe in him. And surely, if it be our duty to provide temporal things for ourselves and for those of our own house, how much more are we bound to seek and secure the one thing needful? 2. But we will consider, in the second place, what is meant by providing for our own house, and especially for those of his own house. House here means family. First, we will consider the duty devolving upon a Christian parent in making suitable provision for his own house or family. This embraces all we have urged as his duty to himself. It is the duty of all parents to provide for their families every temporal good, which adds to their own comfort or usefulness in life. And it is no less the duty of parents to provide for the spiritual necessities of their own families. And first, we shall consider the duty of parents to provide suitable training for their children. This is a duty which God has enjoined and approves. He said of Abraham, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. The duty of parents to train their children religiously is clearly taught under the gospel dispensation. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Here we have divine authority for teaching our children the things which make for their good both in this life and that which is to come. But it may be asked to what extent are parents bound to comply with these high and solemn obligations? we answer, to the utmost of their ability. To whom much is given, of him much is required, and to whom little is given, of him little is required. But all are bound to train up their children, in the way they should go, that when they are old they may not depart from it. This duty is seen in the judgments which God has visited upon those parents and children who have neglected to obey the Lord in this particular. See First Samuel 2.34 3. We are, in the third place, to inquire what it is to deny the faith. Much is said in the scriptures about faith. Much depends upon it. We are said to be justified by faith, and saved by faith. We live by faith. And inasmuch as such as are spoken of in the text are said to be worse than an infidel, because they provide not for themselves and families, thereby showing that they have denied the faith, Therefore let us try to consider what genuine faith is, and what it is to deny it. This is the most important point in the subject now before us. Without faith it is impossible to please God. We will consider some of the effects of this distinguishing grace. There are several kinds of faith spoken of in the Bible. In one case men are said to believe for a while. This faith is shown us in the parable taught by our blessed Saviour, in the characters represented by the seed sown upon the rock, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Luke 8.33 There is a faith which is called dead. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. James 2.17 but the faith which enables the Christian to obey the Saviour in all things is said to work by love. Galatians 5.6 Now, we say that those who have this faith will never deny it. The counterfeit may deceive, but the genuine cannot. We say this faith cannot deny itself. 
all who are spoken of in the Old Testament as having this faith, never denied it. By it Abel made a more excellent sacrifice to God than Cain. By it Enoch walked with God, when the other portion of mankind walked in the vain, wicked imaginations of their own hearts. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. This is the grace which enables believers to renounce the pleasures of sin which are but for a season. It gives them a complete victory over the world. It abideth with hope and charity. Now, whosoever professes this faith, and then by his unholy life denies it, by neglecting to provide for his own, and especially for those of his own house, makes it manifest that he never had it. It is as unchangeable as its author, for it is the gift of God. It prompted Noah to labor over a hundred years to build an ark to save his house. And what it has done, it will continue to do for those who have it. This is the principle in religion which purifies the heart, overcomes the world, and causes Christians to love one another, whatever may be their circumstances or color or rank in life. 4. We are now in the fourth and last place to draw a comparison between those who deny the faith and an infidel. Now an infidel is an unbeliever in the religion of Christ, yet he provides for his own, and especially for those of his own house. In this he is consistent with himself. Here he acts from reason and principles of nature. But the individual who denies the faith is one who has taken upon himself the solemn vow before God and men that he will act out of what his profession supposes him to be in possession of, which is superior in its influence to the infidel's principles, yet he fails to do as much. But again, an infidel is a bad man, and makes no pretensions to hide it. But he who contradicts his profession by denying it in the manner here set forth is worse for attempting to cover up a character which in itself is no better. But consider the effect produced by a false faith, and we have shown that such a faith as does not come up with the infidels is false, it does the person no harm. Many persons, when they make a profession of faith, suppose it is the true faith, but after a while they find that their faith does not work by love, it does not purify their hearts. They love sin secretly as much as before, they love worldly company as well as ever, and they find the employments which their profession enjoins upon them irksome and dry. Such persons are greatly deceived, yet they are ashamed to confess it, and throw off the mask of profession. And such persons are often the greatest fault-finders with those whose true faith inspires them to endure hardness, afflictions, and deny themselves and take up their cross, so that they may glorify their Saviour and their bodies and spirits which are the Lord's. In conclusion, dear brethren, let us, who have made a profession of faith, examine ourselves whether we be in the faith of the gospel or not know ye not your own selves how that jesus christ is in you except ye be reprobates amen end of chapter eight and of the book recorded by brian ness